talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where here in 2023, we take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal classic, The West Wing, from a bit more modern leftist-slash-socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today's two episodes are entitled The Undecideds and The Wedding. It might just be Undecideds. I believe no it is just article. Undecideds, but then okay. it is The Wedding, yes. Uh, so, so let's just start with our first episode. We're going to delineate between the two, though we are combining them for this episode just to yeah, they're they're get a coherent season pair. seven even yeah. quicker. Uh, <laughs> so beginning with undecideds, this episode kicks off with the Santos campaign relishing their quote unquote victory from the debate, <laughs> uh, in that they have gained two points uh, in the national polls. In a sort of scenario where Vinick gained two points, but they gained four points. Thus, they have netted two. And instead of being total loser amount down nine points, they are now down seven. Well within the the margin of victory, apparently. Uh, Because they're they're very excited. They're all, you know, woohoo, we're going to do campaign this, we're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then some staffer has to come in with a fucking downer. And so the like I it's immediately clear where this is going because it's like the they come in and they announce that a black teenager has been shot and killed in Los Angeles in in quote the ghetto I think they literally South, say the ghetto South Central yeah yeah it's fucking god damn it South in Central in Los LA. Angeles by the way I've been to South Central LA it's fine folks like there's yeah, a like, Walmart there it's fine like, it's fine I've been there like, I've, I've shopped it's I've, okay. You're not going to get shot for walking like, around or whatever. I'm I'm the whitest person in America, and I'm, it's fine. Like, it's fine. don't worry about it. It's fine. There's crime because, yes, there's crime everywhere in America, but it doesn't. it's not the get shot in the street randomly kind of crime. So apparently, and, and they play this out and play this out because he comes in and makes the announcement, and they force this, like, awkward exposition dialogue to be like, Hey, do you wait on it? Wait on it. Take a beat. Know what the wait on it? Take a beat. Last name of the cop was, and they they're like getting in the elevator to go somewhere, uh-huh. and they go. The guy's name is like Martinez. Alejandro Martinez, <laughs> and, and everybody you see all the people go. Oh my god! And there's just like this visible like collective eye roll <laughs> slash shrug that happens through the elevator car as they realize like uh, oh, we have we got to fucking deal with this now, don't we? Oh <laughs> uh, no, god, it's so fucking stupid. Uh, uh, points immediately to Janine Garofalo for immediately trying to politicize the tragedy within about five seconds of hearing it. Uh, it's just like, Ooh, we could gain some black votes from this. Like, (laughs) like literally two seconds after she hears the story before she even hears about the Latino angle is just like, all right, fucking bonus. (laughs) I, and I just love that the, the theme, and I get that it's for drama, dramatic purposes, but like the theme of both campaigns is like, let no grenade go unjumped upon. It's like, (laughs) like we we must just blow ourselves up. We have to talk about this. I guess this is a bit of like the 24-hour news cycle really starting to intrude here with like, you got to talk about the discourse of the day. And, mm-hmm. and we've mm-hmm. decided today's discourse is spins wheel, uh, race relations and police, go! 
Well, and I mean, to your point, like, yes, at this juncture, you know, following the 2004 election, which is where it really fucking mm-hmm. spun up in my recollection. That was recollection. probably the first one where, like, CNN and the 24-hour news cycle was, like, really prominent. Not that it didn't exist in 2000, but it just had gained that much more energy by and, 04, yeah. Yeah, because it because the nation went collectively insane on 9-11. And also, like, the... I mean, frankly, you know, we're talking about television here. It's television advanced a mm-hmm, lot mm-hmm. in yeah, six years, really. So And, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of internal Santos-Stafford debate, basically, about how to handle this situation, where they, they grouse about the fact that the black vote is not as high for them as it would be for a typical Democrat. And we get some really interesting... Some handled well, most handled poorly, conversations about why the, quote-unquote, basically why why black people and Latino people don't get along so well, in essence. (laughs) Uh, Where there's there's a black staffer we get here, Lester, um, played by a, a guy, I wrote it down, Cress Williams, good character actor, you see him in a lot of stuff. Where we haven't seen him before, and it's just like the fucking last time this happened with like the Latino staffer. Yeah, that holy we shit! Seen it is exactly like that. It's exactly what the like fuck? that. But this guy does such a good job; I don't mind it as much. But yeah, he's now on hand to basically be like the black guy for the campaign uh, to basically weigh in and say like, "Look, I'm black. I know what the black community wants, and let me tell it to you." To be fair, most of the stuff he says isn't like crazy or whatever, and is basically common sense kind of stuff. So it works, and he's more grounded, and he has some decent conversations and banter with Josh and stuff. But then there's this Hispanic staffer, I think her name is Eli or Edna, it starts with an E, something like this. And she and Lester keep going back and forth with like, well, here's the reason Hispanic people and Latino people don't get along. It's because, or sorry, black people and Latino people don't get along is because, and like they just launch into all these like, white writer reasons of why they think these two communities aren't best friends oh they're so yes oh my god there's um a line and you wrote it in here where it's like the black community is wondering why we got a latino nominee before an african-american one no they are fucking not (laughs) no fuck fuck you the like what the fuck yeah that it's interesting how reality uh dodged that particular issue but uh yeah, it's, it's like, what? And yeah, there's a lot of like, oh, you need to go visit the family. Do you want to be pro-cop? Do you want to be anti-cop? And they immediately rule like both of those out <laughs> instantly uh, and realize that they just have to play to the middle and say like, well, we're all sad when they're discussing like speech themes. Yeah. It's, and It's crazy. Uh, well, and obvi- obviously, as we've discussed so many times at this point, like material conditions and any class analysis is outside of the purview of this show. And it, it almost sounds fucking like it's trite to say at this point to just be like, well, if you don't talk about like the the underlying factors of society that is driven by capitalism, it's it's just so... I, I'm not even going to spend time on it because it's like you, our listeners know this. Right. We know this. We don't need to talk about right. fucking. It's 
it's just doing the thing again where we've picked an quote-unquote issue to talk about, but we don't really talk about it. We don't really get into the weeds on anything. It's doing the Toby and the homeless guy thing of like, oh, here's one individual case we can focus on. Thus, you know, getting the systemic issues completely out of the conversation. And it's, you know, and it ends with the speech ex machina, as is West Wing, where Jimmy Smith comes in to the black church, gives the perfect speech, references Martin Luther King, and everyone claps. Literally everyone claps. Literally, it, it is a slow clap at the end of the episode. Um, yep. The there's a he there is a scene with him and Helen in his bedroom, uh, yes, or in the, like their, their hotel room or whatever. I like that where Which, it gets a little real. Yeah, yeah, and well, so I I, I understand he expresses the frustration that he has been essentially elevated to status of to, avatar for every to, to Enrique. Yes. Yeah, like every and he he lists off this litany of Latino Sir names, names. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like but the. And the thing that is absolutely outside of the West Wing's purview is the cop issue. Mm-hmm. This isn't a race issue. No. Te- like, technically. This is a this is a fucking... The kid, right. the kid was around. Right. He did a thing that it kids do. It was a do. child. And, and then a and this cop officer blew shot him. him the fuck away. That's the issue. And he says that, like, in Santos's speech, I understand, like, his the frustration of him being elevated to that status. But then he goes down this thing of being like, what the fuck was this kid thinking that in the ghetto you have a toy? It's like, so would you prefer that he was actually armed? Like, I'm don't get me wrong. Fuck. Yeah. Because then maybe he could have plugged the cop. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, let's go race war. Let's go boys. But, um, no, yeah, it's insane where he, he keeps blaming the the fucking child. The child, twelve year old, does not have and a fully formed brain yet. We expect kids to be kids. Like in his big speech to the church, he starts with, "I blame the kid." You know, maybe he should have been taught better. I blame his parents. <laughs> yeah. Like, great, great start. Blame the kid. Eleven out of ten. No notes. Yeah, just like does doesn't absolutely like get you get the hymnals thrown at you. In church, like immediately. Yeah, like, yeah, remember earlier in the episode, he's like, they're not going to boo me in church, are they? It's like, absolutely, if you start with, <laughs> I blame the kid, they're going to fucking boo you. And just the 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 lack of entreaty with the, the, the copness of the thing, because he says it's just like nominally, in, again, in these writers' brains, the, the, uh, the concept and, and the, I don't know, the archy, of a cop is the antithesis of the ghetto, right? Because their philosophy says that, oh, if only we policed appropriately. Right. If we had enough cop ghetto. The, the, get, the ghetto would be would be fixed. And but here you have the like it is the source of the violence right. is what you think solves the ghetto. It is not right. the ghetto that's the like I, right. What you it's think so is the solution dumb. is the problem, and the show can't even grapple with that as a fucking concept, so it doesn't even try. It doesn't like even not, go close to there. And not that's not even be- suggesting and police that's, violence. That's like, why it all becomes about race relations and how they're always talking about, like, is the Santos campaign going to, like, heal the racial divide in America? And they're they're like, oh, he basically has to go solve racism with this speech. And, like, uh, 
boy, we got off policing real quick, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and it's it, as soon as you have the opportunity, it's like, oh yeah, fuck, no, we're we're on to race war now. Like right. it's about no, it's yeah, about race there, relations. There's literally like about one line where they're like, what about if we blame the cop? And they're like, nope, you'll lose all of white America, the law, the law and order crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well and again you know it's the explicit policy position of both parties is that cops yeah. are good like uh, we love our cops that's right <laughs> we love our, our boys law and blue. enforcement <laughs> yeah yeah that's literally it's the party line here you know he, or as as we've progressed to now in the 2020s the joe biden shoot him in the leg uh, style yes. of compassionate policing the and so there is a line that Santos brings up and he says, like, I str- like I have to find compassion or something. And it's like, but for for the people who but, fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But, but why? Like, in, what in a way. What about accountability? What about? <laughs> well, well, yes. And ultimately, this is the subtext is that you are the person that you need to find compassion for, because as the executive, that's. Those are your enforcers. Like the right. cops are your, fo- like they're your Batman. You right. Know? Like he, he grouses about the fact that like the mayor was there. He's like, well, the mayor has a tie to her. It's it's his community. Dude, you're going to be president. All of America is going to be your community. That That's yeah. like the thing. And, and if you're all up your ass about leading by example and providing, you know, like a strong leadership for the country. Well, I know, a, I know someplace you can start like, Right here, maybe, but yeah, and he fucking I I hate anybody who brings up Martin Luther King in a fucking speech. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. It's it such, is like, so lazy. It's such a riding in coattails, like standing on the shoulder of giants thing of like, ah, I'll just invoke the greatest like modern speaker of, of the era, and then I get to basically like ride on his coattails throughout the rest and, of the speech as people remember, oh boy, didn't MLK used to speak good? <laughs> Well, and also, like, what they should be remembering is, oh, shit, we actually responded to Dr. King's speeches by murdering him in much, this, in much the same way that we just did this kid. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, Santos' speech also has a lot of the I'm so tired uh, references in it where he's just like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of all this. And I'm like, oh, it's like the beginning of, like, the Twitter stuff with, like, the I'm so tired. <laughs> well, and again, it's like, it's like a fucking Joe Biden tweet. Last I heard, you were the president. Why right. don't you do something? Right. About, or you're, in this case, it. where you're writing for president, where we act, we expect you to basically act like a pre- premature president already. That's my favorite debate thing is like when I'm president, you know, when the people like the no hopers are saying it during yeah. the debate. Uh, so, okay. Let's, that let's happens and a, it sucks. Yeah. Let's take a break from this topic and then we'll come back and discuss the wedding stuff. Uh, that yeah, continues okay. on into the second episode. So the main comedy beat of this episode and the main thing that we get in the White House, aside for some foreign policy stuff that sucks, is a entertaining subplot 
with the planning of Ellie's wedding. Ellie's getting married, and we've Yay. been introduced. We've been introduced to her, <laughs> her fruit fly guy, Nebish, <laughs> fiance. fiance. Yes, uh, who I I'm just going to refer to from here on as Millhouse. Yeah, it's uh, fucking Millhouse. That's basically the vibe he gives off, where uh, they just kind of have him, like, millhouse around, and he has to, like, uh, when talking about playing the one, he's like, uh, I'm a little agoraphobic, and sometimes I pass out. Yeah. <laughs> I just, the, you had, you mentioned it, and then it was, he's fucking, he, the, he gets the dud card, it's just like, he is the fucking dud, like, look yeah. at him. Hey, he looks just like you, Poindexter. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just there's a lot of comedy being played from like, oh, she's clearly a lot better than him, and like, uh, and also of uh, Will Bailey having to basically be impromptu wedding planner for them, as it was originally going to be CJ coming in through the wedding, which, by the way, is also ridiculous, I think. CJ yeah. should not be handling wedding planning, she's the fucking chief of staff. Like, and... Well, and Will Bailey is now the director of communications for the White House. Like, I don't care yes. if you're if you're getting married. Like, it has nothing to do with the administration. Also, these people don't have event planning skills. Right, they're not event planners. As someone who's done large events, seriously, in college, it is a whole skill set. There are professionals, and the White House employs. Probably dozens, if not hundreds, of them. I assume. Yeah, I mean uh, they have to because they are they are constantly throwing large events. My point being, they would be dealing with some staffer that we've never seen before. But because it's TV, that would be boring, and we want our mains involved. So instead, it's CJ and Will, uh, which does lead to some great comedy with Will as he becomes increasingly frustrated with <laughs> having gotten roped yeah. into wedding planning. Uh, when he was just like coming in, which is by the way, why these people shouldn't fucking come into work on a Sunday or I, whatever. Like I they, know. they always fucking do. No, nothing, nothing to do in your spare time. We're working nothing. all the time is good. It's a moral, it's a moral good to work. Zero life outside of blah, work blah, blah. all of these people as we're about to see, because, uh, this whole thing leads to Kate, uh, McKinnon, uh, finally, or sorry, I'm, I think I mixed up the characters. That's, that's the, the Hillary thing. Clinton. Uh, <laughs> that's the Hillary Clinton piano lady on SNL. Oh right, that's Kate. That's <laughs> sorry, Kate, Kate Harper. Kate Kate Harper, the fictional character, uh, is is suddenly got eyes for Will and ends up uh, inviting him to the wedding as his plus one, which it leads to this great moment where Ellie, I think, did not want Will there because yeah, something uh, happens. <laughs> Like, is, is it she, because... She says, she says to her mom, like, why is Will Bailey in a tux at my wedding? And I'm like, did you not want Will there? Is there animosity that we were not made aware of? I mean, now, as as a person who has gone through a wedding, so, like, the, the concept of allowing anybody but yourself to have that level of editorial control over it, just fucking elope. <laughs> Sorry, like, yeah. nope. Yeah. Unless you can do everything exactly the way you want. Sorry, what's the point? Why this whole situation is a giant nightmare. I, I, I yeah. can't fucking imagine. Um, what, what, what's great is Millhouse does try to, like, stand up at one point when they're going through, like, the thousand-person guest list. And they've narrowed, they've narrowed it down to, like, 700 or whatever. And they get to, like, the last person on the list whose last name begins with a Z. And he's like, no, this one, too far. Yeah. There's a line. <laughs> and he tries to, like, stand his fucking ground. And then Ellie's like, no, no, honey. That's, like, my mom's best friend from college. I've known her my whole life. We're letting her into 
to the wedding. It's fine. He's like, oh, <laughs> and he just, he, oh, and he okay. just like, totally deflates and he just like sits in the corner for the rest oh. of the scene. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, honey. Um, it's it's the best. Like, God bless this guy. I love the actor. He's doing great work. <laughs> well, and so the like the first point of contention is their selection of music because his fucking nerd band. Um, is coming to play Schrodinger's cats Schrodinger's cats nerd band called Schrodinger's cats and yeah they he's like they play weddings and bar mitzvahs all the time and Will's just like rolling his fucking eyes like it's the White House uh, but yeah they get they get his fucking well they they the, the the example of like well we need to we need to tone it down a little bit this isn't just any wedding this is a wedding in a very serious white house by saying that they can't play baby got back yeah okay yeah first. they 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 can't play like the most pg friendly like wedding song that you've heard in a gajillion weddings first of all no band with instruments is going to cover baby got back it's not a song that is performed on it. It is sampled and mixed. Second off, the like, oh, the whites will know what this, what we're talking about here, wink, wink. It's the most that type of vibe song selection possible. He's he's not trying to like put some NOS on the wedding playlist. He's not fucking... Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's basically saying like, you know, no baggy jeans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly what this is. I also love that so Will's like, you know, oh, uh, you know, the world stage, uh, shadow of our forefathers. Oh, the slave-owning forefathers, Will? Yeah, I'm sure we want to really respect their their fucking memory. Yeah. Okay, Will, so it's it's Virginia reels and, like, and chamber music only. Yeah, it's, it's fucking old Lang Syne and old state anthems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having a uh, North Korea so, propaganda style wedding. Just <laughs> So Will Will starts off with this incredible Hallmark energy. So it's funny as he gets piled on and piled on and piled on. And eventually, like, as you say, he just kind of comes through and like CJ's having the fucking actual foreign policy issue. That's like the quote unquote meat of the episode. And he comes stumbling in with his comedy beat. And he's like, fuck you. Central Asia's not going to get fixed today. Help me with the goddamn wedding. <laughs> yeah, like we, we can do this bit of good right now for two people. <laughs> yeah. You help me. You help me with this wedding. Uh, so that's good. Margaret has some good bits. Uh, you know, all of this is played for good comedy. It, it spills into the next episode, so we'll just go kind of go. Yeah, ahead let's uh, let's move on because the the first one they they it ends with you know a soulful song and Matt Santos walking out of the church. Blah blah blah. Right. It's yeah. Fine. As we said, everyone claps. Blah blah yeah. blah. He solves race relations. They get another pole bump. Uh, but to continue the wedding plot, so in the, it's a nice little mini arc where we have the setup in the first episode, and now we have our wedding in the second episode. Uh, there's a lot of stuff of like, oh, Bartlett's busy. He can't be at the thing. He can't walk his daughter would, down the aisle. You would expect the father of the bride to be at, uh, like the rehearsal dinner and walking her down the aisle and, you know, all that important stuff. Um, so there's a lot of that is played for light comedy. Uh, there's a good bit where he pulls, uh, Millhouse into meetings with like all the joints chiefs just to like kind of intimidate him slash fuck with him. Uh, yeah, introducing him to like the secretary of the Navy. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And all all these military guys go like, congratulations, son. I'm sure you'll do good. And like, it's just like, you know, don't fuck it up, son. Don't fuck gross, it up. Like, it's, it's, it's really good for like an anxious for like an anxious Jew guy to hear all Dude, this. Like, like, like fucking six hours before his wedding. It's great. Don't, don't fuck it up, son. I need you to I need you to Roger that girl for the sake of our country. For, for America, boy. Yeah, it's great. Gross. Like, it's so good. Uh, it's and the guy's just melting into the fucking floor. Uh, and then uh, later on, Bartlett has to have like a one-on-one with him, where he's kind of trying to do like the you know father lay down the law shit or whatever. And uh, he's like, you know, Ellie's, da- you know, El- uh, Abby's dad made me like walk with him six hours through the woods. And I'm like, you know what? That's an interesting double-edged sword to this situation. On the one hand, yes, your father-in-law is the actual president, and that's super fucking intimidating, even if this guy wasn't a millhouse. But B, on the other hand, that means he is so busy, he doesn't actually have those six hours to torture you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of like it's not total lose-lose. Like you get a good bit of freedom in a, in a sense because the man's just so busy all the time. I'm... Like, I'm in a weird position because I've actually known <clears throat> my father-in-law for, Jesus, 25 years now. I've only been married for nine because um, we went to high school together. Um, ah. But, like, I just, this is another trope that I really hope goes <laughs> by the wayside because, like... The, the overly protective dad shit. <laughs> and it, it's a bunch of stuff because it's just, like, you A, having a father or a father like, having a father that is part of a person's life shouldn't be a given B if they're part of the person's life, they don't necessarily have to like them also shouldn't be a given. And then just like also fucking, I I just imagine interacting with your father-in-law. I don't care if he's the president. I don't care what he does for like exactly this much. Like you meet him two days before you're getting married. I it's, it is so bizarre and Insane. anathema, like, to <laughs> yes. me. Yeah, and, like, they've spent a combined, I don't know, 25 minutes together, the, these two men. Like, and, and he's about to marry his daughter. Yeah, and it, it, I'm, this actually comes back on me a little bit because I feel like I'm being a little patriarchal, being like, shouldn't you have a more established relationship? But you can't have it both ways. You can't both, like, portray this idyllic relationship and family dynamic, but also then be like, oh yeah, but you can't actually make it happen in this situation. It's just so, it, it's very wrong. And I don't know what the fuck the writers were thinking. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it ends on a nice enough note where he's basically just like, please tell me you didn't marry her just cause she got pregnant. And the guy's like, no, no, I really liked her ever since like our third date, I was going to marry her. And Bartlett's like, ha ha, what was wrong with the first two dates? And it ends on a cute little... Ends on a dad joke, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like very, yeah, dad, but you know, it's fine, it's harmless, it's whatever. We didn't didn't mention that, I think it was in the first episode here, um, like, Bargain Bin Fitzwallace clocks Ellie as being pregnant based on, like, the, based on the food selections for the wedding. Yeah, that she's picking fishes and soft cheese, which is like, damn, that's some Sherlock shit right there. Considering he was, like, engaged in foreign policy stuff, like, he was just picking this up in the background. This guy's sharp. I like him. Yeah, we, he can he can have Fitzwallace's spot at the table. That's fine. Yeah, he's fun, too. He, uh, like, he gives Will a little stuff of, like, because Will's freaking out about the wedding shit, and he's like, you're doing it for for your country, son. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> so, son, 
Son, you better give that girl the ride of her life for America. <laughs> you better knock her up, too. We need it. <laughs> Jeez. We need soldiers. So, um, yeah. And then, meanwhile, so to get off the wedding, uh, in the second episode, the campaign is now focused a lot on electoral strategy. Uh, they've gotten a, a big bump from solving race relations yes. <laughs> in, the pre- in the previous episode. Now that racism and is over, we can continue now, the campaign. Now that racism is solved, all, all things are on speed. We're six weeks out, which they keep reminding us about. People are getting quote-unquote squirrely, like all the analysts and advisors and donors and whatnot. And speaking of donors, the main thing with this episode is that the campaign is broke, apparently. I don't think it's the only way that they can it's like having a it's like having hit points in a video game. It's the only way that they can possibly abstract out this stupid strategy drama is being like, well, I we got to measure it by money. I guess. Uh, I guess cuz yeah, it doesn't make any sense. They're a national campaign like the two the two big campaigns are just giant fucking spending machines. This idea that they're out of money Again, maybe this is a more of a 2004 idea when the campaigns weren't, like, billion-dollar industries yet. But the, even back then, they were still rich as fuck. Like, yeah, and they were never strapped for cash in the way that they're constantly... They're basically just like, where are we going to get the money to advertise in Chicago or whatever? Like, well, a lot which, of- by the way, also that they're worried about Chicago is hysterical. But th- this gets into my insane election map bullshit. Well, it, it also, um, like, the thing that drives me crazy is that it is very, it it's very reductive. It's, you know, you just, you think about an entire state as a block of voters. And I, to a degree, I understand managing resources. But A, like you said, they both have functionally limitless resources. Effectively, effectively. Not, not to the point where you're debating, like, oh, can we afford to advertise in the third biggest media market? Like, A, weren't you already? <laughs> well, and also the concept of, like, abandoning working in places. Like, I I guess I get it, but... It feels very Hillary. There's a lot of, like, pull out of Wisconsin because we're ahead there kind of talk. Yes. Like, there's... It feels very, very hubris. You, you, know? you are setting yourselves up to be hoist on your own petard. And honestly, a lot of this is the, I mean, the most, the recent campaign being fucking Dean's primary blow up where he tried to do a 50 state strategy in 2004 and, and you know this is them sort of like meta reacting to that of like oh what foolishness yes how, how dare you try you and think because it's funny because Bruno who is now working with Vinick is absolutely always about the 50 state strategy yeah totally like he's consistent on it for like for years we've heard the 50 state strategy out of Bruno and he's implied to be the coolest smartest savviest motherfucker in the room Everywhere he goes. So is Bruno wrong show is what I'm asking. Yeah. Um, and again, it's the, the, re, the, I think it's just cheap drama. Oh, you sure. It. Yes. It's, and there's a, know, there, there's oh, a, we have to, we have to make choices now because of lack of resources, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, and like a scarcity mindset and like a, you know, a, a stereotyping and arranging people into buckets. And it's all very like advertising speak. So, like, I don't know why I've talked about this for so long. A lot of demographic brainworms going on here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, As we said, there's just, like, this fake drama thrown in of, like, oh, we should take 
Josh off as campaign manager and let Leo be campaign manager uh, because he successfully was the campaign manager for Bartlett and you know at Bartlett won. So they're all just kind of looking at him and they think Josh is fucking it up. Leo on the edge of true awareness says, "Oh God, you're all trying to kill me." Yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, not to spoil anything, but um, yeah, so they, that's just kind of funny. They have they have a bunch of bullshit about, and Josh is obviously fucking flipping out about it because he right. You know that's his personality. This is his, this is his nightmare. This is his absolute nightmare. Getting fired for for being an underperformer. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, is basically every West Wing character's personal hell. So, yeah, that that basically, it kind of goes nowhere, because we all know Josh is going to end up being campaign manager anyway. Uh, and then, so the foreign policy stuff we've alluded to, let's, let's just get to that, is basically that, so the Kazakhstan president, the one who got assassinated a couple episodes back that our, that our Mr. Frost operative had known about, Man, they should have just hired that guy. He could have cleared all of this up. Well, and they... another. I mean, again, this is on, onto the narrative being so fucking weak here. I, It is very difficult to remember in the moment that this is referring back to Mr. Frost. Yeah, to all of that. It just, so. it just comes up again, but there's absolutely almost no through line to observe other than like, oh, it's, hey, there's Kate Harper again. Exactly. It's a lot of that. Uh, a lot of, like, an excuse for, like, a wedding sit-room situation so we get all our characters in black tie uh, attire in the sit-room and they get to comment on it briefly. Like, it just feels like a lot of this is kind of done because, like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if kind of stuff. Yeah, we've got some costume budget. Or... Let's use it. <laughs> yeah, it really feels like that. Like, hey, let's have, we haven't had a, a big gala scene in, like, I don't know how many episodes. We gotta, we gotta do one. Uh, and we can, we have some foreign policy shit too. Uh, so yeah, because of Kazakhstan's president getting murked, he was gonna do a deal with China for oil. Instead, the new president is friends with Russia and is gonna do the deal with them instead. And now China is gonna like invade Kazakhstan, which is gonna be backed up by Russia, thus igniting our third potential World War Three on the show. Yep, and I think your most kind of on-point observation about this is that we don't see any of this. It is so impossible to care. There isn't even, like, soundtrack cues. There's no long close-ups of somebody being, like, seriously considering with, like, like an ominous score of strings behind it. We don't get shit. There's no hints. We don't get... The, there's nothing in the sit room of like actions gonna, that are going to be taken. They just kind of meet there to meet there. Uh, and it's all just one-sided phone calls. And we don't get to see anything. Remember when we saw stuff? Remember when we saw Sharif get gunned down? Remember when we saw like the shooting at the end of season two that was really dramatic where Josh gets sh- shot by like the terrorist guys? Yep. Uh, the racists. Remember when like the show used to show these big climactic things and then the characters could talk and react about them in a way that made sense for the audience. No, now all of that's out the window. If we were going to do the season two finale today, we would hear about it through a one-sided phone conversation and then just cut to Josh in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't actually see the shooting. <laughs> yeah. Because that's all this show does now. It's one-sided phone conversations. We see nothing of Kazakhstan. We never even saw this president guy who got assassinated. Like, it's well, just... 
It's so lazy. And that makes it impossible to care because, again, much like I, I am watching this with a critical eye currently, and I can't follow this through from Mr. Frost. Imagine some dude who had to wait five weeks in between seeing these two episodes. Right. And it's like, why is the president yelling now? Why, why is he saying that World War III is about to pop off? It doesn't feel like World War III oh, It III certainly is about doesn't feel... We're still getting... We're still doing this wedding. We're, we're having a fucking wedding, for God's sakes. Which is the card he plays, basically, to avert World War III temporarily. <laughs> is like, he just yells at the Chinese uh, president, like, Do you have a daughter? Is she married? Well, my daughter's getting married, so fucking chill for a minute, Okay. And it's like, okay, I guess that card works, but that only works a very limited number of times. Yeah, I mean, Abby's not having any more kids at this juncture, so yeah, you're going to run you, out. You've got, you've got three and one's married already. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> you get to play this card maybe one more time with Zoe, and then, man, you, a good thing your, your term's about up is, is all I'm saying. Yeah, and you know, obviously it's so, yeah, we, him being... We avert World War Three, I guess, yippee. <laughs> yeah, him being dad on the phone with those inscrutable foreigners, you know, if they would just yep. listen to the strongest one of them. Right, and like, it, I find it hilarious how like he's dealing with the translator and the translator is like, you know, here's my list of extremely reasonable issues that are material conditions and whatnot that are provoking this military action. And Bartlett's like, yeah, 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 but whatever. Like, let's just boil it all down. It's it's pretty incoherent. Yeah, there's there's nothing here. Uh, as, a, as I said, I like this note on the fan, uh, fan wiki in the trivia section for this episode. Quote, in real life, it is highly unlikely that China and Russia would fight a war for Kazakhstan's oil. The Russian Federation is the third largest exporter of oil <laughs> in the world, after Venezuela and Saudi Arabia. <sighs> As we all know, there would be no fight for Russian energy resources. Yeah. There would be no reason. Definitely no not. Reason for that. <laughs> yeah. No reason No reason for that at all. So there's, there's a couple moments here where they're like, a nuclear power is fighting over oil. What? Wah, wah, wah. No. What? I don't think so. <laughs> it's just like... It's very funny as this is being written as the Iraq war is happening. <laughs> oh, oh, West Wing writers. There's a couple, I mean, other little comedy beats that go through the thing. Your, your blinders are impressive, West Wing writers. Yeah, um, that's that's mostly it. Uh, CJ. Debbie, Kate, like blah, blah, blah. Kate does a thing. Oh, yeah. Debbie's always delightful whenever she shows up. Uh, as a, they, they, They're setting up Kate and Will to be together, which, again, fine. Although, as you said, like, she, like, there's one part where she, like, Will looks away and Kate, like, checks out his butt as he walks away. And it's like, Kate, honey, there's nothing to check out. Like, yeah. like he's got a, he's got Hank Hill ass. Like, what are you looking at? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, look, looking fine in those two sizes, two big dockers there, Will. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the fucking early aughts baggy-ass yeah. doctors. Yeah, looking all caked up. Like, no, there's nothing, honey. Like, you, God, she must be desperate. Like, that's the vibe I get off Kate. It's just like, girl needs it bad. Well, and also, there isn't there isn't a lot of vibe from her because she... And this is actually um, kind of like on a meta level. This makes sense to me because the show has taken great pains to and to their credit initially to desexualize the Kate Harper character they right. make and and now they just kind of have to ru- rushingly resexualize her yeah yes 
And and where they they dollar up in in gala affair and have CJ be like, oh wow, you look really hot. Now, to be fair, we have seen Kate and Will at another gala event in the past, mm-hmm. but yes, it's it's just you spend a lot of time making the audience sure that this woman is, and to their credit, capable, focused, you know, professional in all things, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh okay, now you know he doesn't have a tie on, so Kate's like watching his ass when he leaves the room like what right like yeah he put on the polo for sunday and all of a sudden like it's like letting the hair down and taking off the glasses like (laughs) oh will bailey's a sexual being (laughs) glasses and a ponytail that's the worst kind (laughs) um it's exactly that so it's just i don't know it comes out of nowhere and it's fine just because the actors have a little bit of chemistry and sell it okay yeah but it, and be, like you said, they had that first bit. It would have been nice if after that first gala where they did kind of flirt a little or had established a little bit of flirty energy between them, if they had kind of kept that rolling yeah. a little. And not, not that it had to be like will they, won't they level, but just like if they had kept flirting every time they encountered a little bit, instead they just kind of dropped it and now they're picking it back up. That's why it feels weird too. Yeah, it would be, it would have been really, it doesn't take much screen time and God knows the show right. wastes it on fucking whatever else That's it wants. <laughs> Stupid, stupid dumb bullshit that we constantly complain about <laughs> yeah. yeah that it wouldn't have hurt just to have them like throw a little flirty bants back and forth you know the show's done it before it knows how to do that well we i mean it might not anymore we're losing the institutional skills here good you know what good point because jo- josh and donna's quote-unquote romance is uh is handled very poorly uh, there's a couple moments of that in this episode with the wedding where she's like, hi, Josh, look at me in like a pretty dress. And he, jo- Josh in the second episode is fucking like methed out of his mind or whatever. Like they imply it's like low sleep, but he's just like, he's on like a Coke binge or whatever, where his thoughts are racing a mile a minute. Every time he talks to someone, he's like five points down in Wisconsin, uh, two points down, yeah. could pull out of Iowa to uh, go to New Hampshire to fund uh, Texas. Ah! <laughs> and then he, like he'll just like stop mid sentence and wander away. It's fine. Like I, I get it, but also just they they try a lot of like things that wouldn't fucking fly with yeah josh, like, trying to be like josh is breaking down from the stress like no please this is just josh all the yeah. time like what do you mean we've seen this man handle stress since the fucking first episode of the show like this is just what he does and then we conclude with the anecdote um <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> So, you know, it's it's the it's the daddy just daughter put, just moment. Just put the clip in. We'll put the just clip fucking in. put the whole clip. You okay, dad? You know, one time during my first term in Congress, we went on a congressional delegation to East Germany and you probably don't remember you couldn't have been more than 4 or 5. At any rate, we got to East Berlin and we were waiting online with our passports at checkpoint Charlie when all of a sudden you bolted out into the no-man's land between the two guard posts, and everything stopped. The MPs just froze, and your mother and I were scared to death, but not you. You just calmly looked up at one of the soldiers on the wall, and you waved, and the soldier waved back. And then... And then all the soldiers were waving at each other. I remember Dad. It's so <laughs> stupid. I 
mean, like, I get it. It's, you know, like, oh, yeah, let me pull up a cute story from your childhood. But it's just the most shit that didn't happen text ever. Like, oh, my God. All the soldiers <laughs> stood up all, and clapped. And they clapped and they waved. And Ellie brought down the Berlin Wall by being cute. Uh, yep. <laughs> God damn it. So good. Uh, and on that note, I think that's a perfect note to end on. Uh, these episodes were not good. You know, there's a lot of filler. Oh, we for- completely forgot to talk about Toby's Eeyore. Yeah, who, whatever. who gives fuck a fuck? Him. Fuck him. <laughs> Write him out of the show. We don't need to see Toby ever again. <laughs> Toby, Toby's sad about having to go to white collar minimum security prison and can't enjoy spending time with his fucking twins, which I'm just so mad at him about. And so yeah josh visits toby they yell at each other that's it yeah (laughs) and toby's a huge asshole and like i just there's some somewhere a writer mistook toby being assertive for being a jerk and now it's just like okay this is his personality now they they change his character so much he he went from he went from lovable curmudgeon to fucking asshole eeyore and it's it's a a very bad change that's, that's probably why I hate this plotline so much, too, is they just, like, completely shit on his character. I've been, I've actually, like, we've been re-watching old Top Chef series lately, and so, like, we're literally watching it, the first two series of Top Chef, which are happening commensurate with this season of West Wing. Ah. And I'm like, I remember distinctly, because this is, again, it's 17 years ago now, and I distinctly mm-hmm. remember, mm-hmm. like, this type of personality trait seeming, like, edgy or like you know assertive in a, in a weird way and i just every time i see it or i'll see i'll, I'll hear it in people's voice i'm just like oh yeah i remember when people thought that was okay and right <laughs> or acceptable and it's, it's yeah. like it's like the opposite of nostalgia where it's just like uh it's, it's cringe nostalgia i don't even know what the fucking <laughs> word would be for it <laughs> yeah i get you i get you so, yeah, I, I think it's appropriate. We completely forgot about him to the end because, yeah, as you said, just right out of the show, this whole thing fucking sucks. We're not going to cover <laughs> yep, it. Nope, not going to give a shit. No, it, it doesn't get any interesting and he ends up getting fucking commuted or whatever anyway. So uh, that does it uh, for these two episodes of The West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, you could always comment in uh, our threads if you found the show a different way. Hi, hello, welcome, if you'd like. You could always email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Which, oh my gosh, listener shout out. We got an email. It it says, it's probably bad for my mental health, but I queued up the whole ass show to date to listen to while fixing my condo up. The air horn credential check is getting me through. Sorry I dropped that after like the first season, but thank you for writing in. I appreciate it. To be fair, the show credential checks a little less and less as we just kind of get to know We assume everyone. everybody is credentialed uh, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We only have to get like a credential check like when Will got first introduced or, or stuff like that. Um, it, so it just happens less and less. In the first season, though, it, it did happen more. So, But thank you, listener, for your feedback. We appreciate it. We hope you found the show enjoyable as you cleaned your content. Also, all the... Uh, uh, the we were able to provide some light entertainment. All the feedback in our Something Awful thread also. Thank you. We, I really like learning things from you guys and stuff. Yeah. We always appreciate all the posts and, and all that good stuff. Um, love the feedback that we get there. So again, thanks for listening. We'll be back. I think we'll probably just combine two more episodes next time because we are eager to get through the end of this season. And the next time here on The Worst Wing. Bye-bye, everyone. Send all the money you ask for. 
But don't ask me to come on 